Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. I want to say Happy Easter to all of you. Happy Easter. We're still on Easter. Right up to Pentecost, we're still focusing on the Easter season. But also we want to say Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers of all forms and in all circumstances. We love you. We're so grateful for you. Many of us have a very traditional, very joyful relationship with the celebration of Mother's Day and to the mothers in our lives. And while we don't want to diminish that joyful uh, relationship that many of us have, we also need to acknowledge that for some of us, Mother's Day can be hard. Mother's Day can be a challenge. You know, because of just the circumstances that we live in in our lives. For many of us, moms bring to mind people who were selflessly nurturing and caring for us and for our families, tirelessly working to meet our needs, to manage our lives, to get us where we need to be, (laughs) providing us comfort and peace at home, you know, making time and space for our emotional and our intellectual and our spiritual needs acting as a caregiver, as a friend, as a counselor, a mentor, and a protector. You know, but for some of us, we might have not had the benefit of a mom like this in our lives for one reason or another. Perhaps our mothers carried their own hurt, their own harm, their own damage. For some of us, our moms were absent. They weren't there, either physically or emotionally. Some of us, our moms let us down. Some of us, they hurt us or they hurt others. And we wrestle with that. Some of us still carry a strong heartfelt urge to become a mother ourselves. And that process, that road isn't always easy for all of us. And sometimes it's challenging. So we recognize all of the weight that Mother's Day might carry in the midst of the celebration for so many of us. No matter your experience, we hope that Mother's Day brings you comfort and peace and opportunity to reflect. You know, if you're celebrating today, may God abundantly bless your celebrations with your moms. If you're grieving today, may God extend his comfort to you. May you notice in all the ways, the special ways in which God nurtured and protected you in other ways, in unique ways, surprising ways, creative ways, non-traditional ways. May the God who is always everywhere working to make all things new be restoring and healing any brokenness that you may carry in your relationships, especially with our moms. And may we endeavor to live out the nurture, the care, and the protection of motherhood to those around us, especially if you're a mom. So happy Mother's Day. We love you. You know, today is certainly a special day. Uh, We don't get rain like this often, so it's a nice rainy day in Colorado. Obviously, it's Mother's Day, but also this is a day in which we will be hearing from our ministry leaders. We're going to be walking through what we call kind of the state of the church. We're going to be looking at the year past. We'll be looking ahead and where we feel like God is leading us. We're going to be doing that through testimony and through story. 
You know, but I thought just as I kind of framed this moment, a few thoughts came to mind. Have you ever noticed that all those books that are written about how to accomplish amazing, great deeds are always written in hindsight? Like the books about how to have a successful business, the books about how to have, uh, you know, an amazing garden, perhaps the books about how to climb Mount Everest, uh, you know, just the little things. The books about how to have a successful church ministry. It seems that all those books are written in hindsight, right? And I bet for those authors, in the moment, in the midst of it, there was probably plenty of uncertainty, plenty of like, are we really doing it right here? You know, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the scriptures for that matter, this is true of the people of God. This is true of the people of God. They did their best to follow the Lord, but honestly, there were times when they were in tight spot after tight spot. You know, at one period of time, Israel is ricocheting back and forth between, you know, invading nation, warring nation after another, barely holding on. And it's in this moment of fear and uncertainty that Samuel, the prophet of God for his people at this time, enacted a beautiful reminder, one of my favorite little verses of the Bible. It's 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin. And he named it as an Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. So in the moments of uncertainty, or perhaps just in the day-to-day work of doing your best to be faithful with what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in your family, what God's doing in your ministry, in your church work, we need to erect markers, these road signs, these mileposts, that remind us of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. By acknowledging the ways that God has been faithful, we find patterns, we find markers that help us along the way, moving us in the right path. So years before Samuel erected his Ebenezer, Joshua was leading the children of Israel, the people of Israel, into the promised land, and God performed another one of the amazing miracles of the Old Testament by stopping the water flow of the Jordan so that the people could walk across on dry land. And as God performed this miracle, bringing the people into their inheritance, Joshua was struck and he, he asked all the leaders to take up a stone from the, from the riverbed, from the bottom of the river, take up a large stone and carry it with them to their camp that night, and they would erect these stones into a monument to remind them of the good things that God has done for them. Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 says, This will be a symbol among you. In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean to you? Then you will tell them that the water of the Jordan was cut off before the Lord's covenant chest. When it crossed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan was cut off. The stones, these stones will be an enduring memorial to your people. So today, we want to take time to remind ourselves of what God has made known to us, what God has impressed upon us as a congregation. We remind ourselves of what God has inspired us to do what he's called us to be as a, church pe- as a church people, a church body unique in Fort Collins. Of course, Matthew 28, 
18 through 20, gives all followers of Christ kind of the mandate. This is the call to action for every believer of Christ. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Surely I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. So here at Emmaus, this mission statement kind of makes itself personal to us and makes itself known to us in our mission statement. If you're not aware of it, it reads like this. We pursue Christ as Savior. I'm sorry, let me start over. We present Christ as Savior. We pursue Christ as King and we partner with Christ in service. Our worship services are designed to help us encounter Christ, the Savior of the world. And as a community, we pursue what it means to be faithful followers of Christ in our world today, in our community. And finally, we recognize that our faith calls us to give of ourselves, give of our lives, give of our bodies and our, our, our resources in service to others. So this sets our direction, this mission statement, but we have three defining marks, three defining statements to give even more clarity to these. These are printed in your bulletins every week. I don't know if you've noticed that, but these are inside that second page of your bulletin. We preach, teach, and practice citizenship in God's kingdom. As the people of God, our allegiance belongs to Christ. We approach life and culture from a kingdom of God perspective. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we faithfully engage the world with hope of the gospel and participate in God's renewal of all things. This inspires us to live with compassion, to demonstrate love, to lament when necessary, to celebrate the goodness of God. You know, that sounds really beautiful. That sounds really easy. But quite frankly, this makes us a countercultural people. Living this way makes us a countercultural people. And surprisingly, living this way as a church body makes us a bit of a countercultural church. Not all churches are committed quite this way, quite to this level, because many of us want our churches to take a stand one way or the other. But of course, we believe that the middle way of Jesus, the middle way of grace, is what God's been calling us to. Our allegiance lies with the kingdom. There, first and foremost. Second, we shape our worship to retell the story of Jesus. As a community, we follow the seasons of the Christian calendar. Advent, Lent, Eastertide, Pentecost, all the in-between. And each week, similarly, our worship celebration consists of these movements, these seasons. We have moments of celebration, moments of confession, moments of assurance, of forgiveness, moments of the preached word, of communion, and of commissioning. We believe these patterns are forming us more and more into the likeness of Christ. And finally, we pursue intergenerational ministry. As a church, we believe that every generation brings value to our community. Therefore, we intentionally connect all generations through worship, through service, through fellowship, through programs, through the things that we do, the way we spend time together. 
And this promotes spiritual formation and provides a sense of belonging for all ages. We don't do this just by accident. And I'm sure as we hear Pastor Grace's uh, story or, or her report, she'll lean into this. But, you know, there's strong debate or strong uh, research that shows that the reason why so many of our young people disappear from the church is they never felt like they belonged there in the first place. They were just participants. They were just brought, brought, along, brought along by mom and dad as spectators. That's why we lean into this. These are our standing stones. These are our Ebenezer's. These are the marks of what God has called us to do. In just a moment, you'll be hearing from our ministry leaders as we see these played out in the various things that we do here. And we'll be hearing that through testimony and through stories of what God has done. You know, but this is who we are. This is the firm foundation for us, Emmaus Road as a church. And it's to this mission and these marks, these statements, that we remain committed. Every event, every activity, every ministry, even the way we budget our money, it's run through this matrix. It's run through these statements. And if it doesn't match up, we don't do it. If it doesn't match up, we won't do it. You know, but we also recognize that we, in, as a church, are in and have been in a unique season. We just finished uh, our first full year of new leadership. The majority of this year with myself as your interim pastor and a great group of ministers and leaders who kind of shared the pulpit and led us. And then, of course, for the last five months since December, being your lead pastor. And I'm humbled. I'm grateful for your confidence and for your support. You've been so generous and so kind. You know, over the last few months, you've likely begun to notice some of my particular sensibilities or preferences beginning to make their mark in the way we do things around here. And you'll see that more and more in the days to come, hopefully in small and meaningful ways. You know, but I thought it might be helpful just so you know, these are the things that I feel to be true of myself. These are some of the things that I feel are my core values, my core passions as a pastor, for, for lack of a better term, or my passions as myself, just as an individual. First, I am devoted to nurturing love and health and freedom and peace in others around me. That's a priority. Second, I seek and humbly affirm the truth when I see it. But I try to remain approachable and I try to remain correctable in how we interpret that truth and how we implement that truth. There are times in which we just get it wrong. <laughs> we try something and it maybe just doesn't work out. I desire to champion the potential in others and to guide them into personal, spiritual, and professional growth. I'm a developer. I'm strategic. I am concerned with efficiently working towards big picture goals. I endeavor to remain flexible to unanticipated needs and challenges like a leaky roof this morning. <laughs> I'm creative. I attempt to engage all the tasks and challenges that I face 
unique, with uniquely inspired solutions by seeing and doing things differently. And finally, I seek to discern and amplify the beauty in all things. Whether it's life or nature or environments or moments of worship. So on top of all of these things, I guess I have to confess that I have a bit of a, a contrary or disruptive or as Pat would say, maybe even an ornery streak from time to time. You know, I suppose that might come from the teenage punk, punk rocker coming out here and there. But I think God needs humble disruptors in his church, in his, in his body. You know, because again, this is countercultural work that we do in this kingdom. So I today am committed to you, to this ministry and to doing everything in my power through the enabling of the spirit to guide and lead us faithfully and in humility. May we be truth seekers together. May we be kingdom chasers together. May we be image bearers of Jesus in our world. If we're faithful to this, we know God will build his church. We desire to see others come and to share the good thing that we found here, don't we? We are faithful that God will be, build his church among us. Well, I've taken plenty of our time to start. We wanna hear from our ministry leaders and we wanna hear from our staff of the particular ways that God is working in their areas of responsibility, accomplishing God's work among us. Pastor Grace, our children's pastor who's on staff here, this has been a rotten week for Grace and for the Eastons. They've had sickness in their home. She has prepared a report, but Debbie is gonna share that report with us. Thank you, Debbie, for doing that. Debbie, come and share. Well, I'm not um, gonna be Grace. Um, just. I don't have that laugh like Grace does, so just pretend, okay, <laughs> as you're reading through. So here's her report. Church, I'm Grace, the children's pastor at Emmaus Road Church. It's an honor and joy to fulfill this role here in my sixth year. In our children's ministry, we are committed to purposeful faith formation to support and partner with families as they raise their children to know God. Our lessons in children's church go through the lectionary, which honors special holy days and seasons throughout the year, just as you do in the sanctuary. We enter into worship by playing a game or doing a special activity that leads us into the story or starts getting us thinking about what we will hear. Then we engage with the story as we hear it, which we do in different ways week to week. Like one week, we might use a storybook and another, we might break out our sandbox and act out our story with many figurines. We then respond and give thanks for the story with a special prayer and a craft or activity that helps us process what we heard in the story. Finally, we go and do God's work. We are dismissed with a blessing, just as you all are in the sanctuary. And I'm going to say an aside here. This is me speaking now. Um, I've been working in children's ministry for, I don't know, 35, so many years, something like that. I've never worked with a children's pastor that is so organized and so creative and has everything all ready for you. And so if you want to volunteer, it's very, very easy. <laughs> 
Our children regularly join in the rest of the church for community faith formation in the sanctuary service. The faith development of children is highly impacted by practices and traditions, like the elements we have in our services week to week. And that makes this a great opportunity for faith formation. A child, a child may not respond or talk about it in the same way as adults, but that's because they're kids. They are learning and being transformed by God in the way they were created to. Some awesome things have been going on in our children's ministry this past year. New families have joined us, new volunteers have partnered with us, and the kids have grown not only in their faith journeys, but also in their friendships. They've become such a good team of friends that easily welcomes others into their community. A goal for this new year is to split the elementary class into two classes. The class has been growing and growing, and now we need just a few more volunteers to make it happen. This year, I also want to get our children's hallways updated to feel more warm and inviting, like the rest of the church feels. The last few years, I focused on getting the classrooms updated and inviting and well-equipped, and the hallways are next on the list for receiving deserved attention. I'm really looking forward to our summer playdates that start this June. Families can meet Monday mornings at 9.30 at our church playground. While the kids play, the parents hang out under the sunshade, and we all enjoy popsicles. At the end of the summer, we will do another slip and slide party with an ice cream buffet. If you are interested in partnering with our children's ministry, there are many ways. We have a playground that has a lot of weeds to keep up with. I'd appreciate help with that this summer. I need a volunteer in the nursery and two volunteers for the elementary class to be able to split. And I need check-in help. It's easy technology and it's an important job to welcome families. Please let me know if you want to hear more about our children's ministry or if you have interest in partnering with us. The kids are awesome and a true pleasure to be around and they have just as much to teach you about God as you have to teach them. Thanks for all your support and love, Pastor Grace. Awesome, thank you, yeah. Kirk, come on up, we're gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna talk in between these, I'll just kinda keep us moving, but Kirk is gonna come and lead us as we hear of our student ministries. Good morning, everyone. As Daniel said, my name is Kirk. Um, I am the Emmaus Student Ministries Director. That's kind of a prestigious sounding title. I don't quite feel that way, but uh, anyway, um, what I wanted to say is my goal here is to build a group of our young men and women, which will foster growth within these kids as they develop into adults. Um, I'm really excited as Grace is about our fifth and sixth grade kind of like new group that she's developing. That's going to be like a continuation in, in intro to being in the ESM group um, as that development begins. Um, I wanted to just really quick, if you'll give me a moment, hit you guys with some Bible stats because that sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> so um, 
I did a little bit of Google searching. Interesting facts. Moses' sister was likely about eight when she enacted the plan of putting him in the river. And that's how Moses kind of got his beginning, right? He came up under the daughter of Pharaoh, but was raised still by his actual mother. Um, Samuel was 12 when he thought that he heard Eli calling him from the other room, but it was actually God talking to him and he had to go talk to Eli, Eli sent him back, and then he did it a couple of times, right? So that was like God calling him into his ministry. Mary obviously was super young. Um, she was predicted to be about 14 years old uh, during, at the time of the birth of Christ. Daniel, 16 years old during captivity. Uh, we all know how that ended up. I mean, that was a major, major stride in our religion. I mean, that was just, he had such a great story, an epic character in the Bible. Uh, David, 15 years old when he was anointed king. Peter and a lot of the apostles are estimated to be in their mid-teens during the ministry of Christ. Um, all of this I've said to say, this is the value and weight that I see within this age group. Um, teens growing up have a lot going on and they're coming into adulthood. And during that time, I see it as kind of the prime of life. It's just a fun and exciting and new time. And these people are the leaders of the future, right? So um, there's so many other characters and these characters in the Bible that just exhibit so much purpose and so much drive and passion and artistry. That's really inspiring to me. Um, I want to provide a space for this next generation to grow and develop and have fun. Uh, that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm all about. Uh, in ways such as maybe like a weekend backpacking trip where we hike a 14er or service in the community um, and just building friendships with each other, you know, growing up together because I'm still growing up. <laughs> Let that be clear. <laughs> yeah, I know, John. <laughs> and we all love you for it. It's fantastic. Um, so what I can promise to parents is I can help get your teenagers out of the house. <laughs> and what I can promise to teens is I can help you get away from your parents. And both of those goals can be accomplished at the same time. It's amazing. Um, so I say also, back to the activities, what I need from Emmaus is chaperones. That's where you guys all come in. So if it sounds like you might be interested in climbing a 14er, come talk to me. If it sounds like you want to hang out with a bunch of kids while we go to Elitch's, come talk to me. I mean, there's all kinds of 
you know, if you have a good idea, I'm willing to hear it. Um, yeah, if you are passionate about something or uh, willing to help or want to talk to and inspire some teenage kids as they develop, then that's fantastic and I would love to talk to you and get, get something set up. Again, my goal uh, for this next coming year is to build the group. We only have like four or five kids that are eligible right now. And that's part of the reason why I'm so excited about the fifth and sixth grade stuff. Like, I mean, we've got more kids coming up and becoming of age. So really looking forward to it. Thank you for your time. Excellent, thank you so much, Kirk. Rick, uh, our discipleship ministries, our ministries to our adults. Discipleship, it's what brings us together today. <laughs> Discipleship, that dream within a dream. Oh, sorry, wrong script. Um, actually, <clears throat> I'm so disappointed Jay Dare is not here today to join that, but I thank you for those of you who caught it. Um, just in the way that um, it can be said that all everything we do as a Christian is an act of worship, and yet when we talk about worship ministries, there are some specific things that we do about the Sunday morning service. The same thing can be said about discipleship as well. Discipleship is a, like a whole person, all-encompassing practice. We seek to live out our Christian life in daily weeks. Um, as our church mission statement puts it, it, we are pursuing Christ as King in our daily lives. But to organize that in a little more manageable form, we do have some specific things that we do that fall under the umbrella of discipleship, help shape us to be better followers of Jesus. One of those things at Emmaus Road is life groups. They're an intentional form of disciple making. Um, in, a disciple, in a life group, we read and we reflect on the sermon text and we talk about the sermon in community. Um, now, individual Bible reading is an important and foundational Christian practice, but a diet of just individual Bible reading and reflection can lead you down some unhelpful rabbit holes or to use technical theological language, wacky ideas. <laughs> so we need to re read and reflect on the scriptures in community, and that's what life groups allow us to do. Um, and the same thing is true with praying or other spiritual practices. When we do those together in community, they supercharge our devotional lives in ways that individual devotions cannot do alone. Um, we also form community in life groups. They provide a time and a space out of the week for fellowship and community building on a smaller, more personal scale than what we would experience like on a Sunday morning uh, uh, service time. Um, and many of our meetings include sharing meals, which again is a long-term traditional Christian practice. And church our size could support four, maybe five life groups. Uh, right now we have four, two of which have capacity for more members. So if you have ever been thinking or the Spirit has moved you or God is speaking to you about becoming involved in a life group, please come see me and I can help find you a place in amongst our groups. 
Um, it's possible that a fifth group could be formed once we get um, a core group to start and maybe some leadership. So again, that's an opportunity for all of us to be involved in our life groups as part of our discipleship ministry. Um, I also mentioned prayer as part of our life group time, but also prayer saturates everything that we do at Emmaus Road. I don't know if you've noticed, but do you know that a typical Sunday service um, usually incorporates five to six different kinds of prayer? Count it sometime, keep track. Um, and that doesn't even count the prayers for when the rain starts raining in our sanctuary or the prayers that go up for the Broncos on game days. Um, just keep track of the number of prayers that we pray together in our Sunday mornings. Um, and there's also other aspects of our prayer life at Emmaus Road that I kind of oversee. Um, one um, includes our church staff and our board members who have volunteered to become part of a prayer team. Uh, when a prayer request comes in, then I communicate to the prayer team about that request. And then during the week, they are praying, the folks in that prayer team are praying for that particular request amongst others. Um, if you ever have a prayer request, there's a little part of our worship folders that you receive every Sunday. You can write a prayer request in there and then turn that in to the pastor or put it in one of the offering boxes and those prayer requests get transferred or communicated to me and then I in turn pass it on to our um, prayer team. Uh, church board members and the church staff are automatically parts of members of the prayer team. But if you, anyone else at large can be a member of that prayer team. So if you'd like to be on the prayer team and receive those communications, let me know and I'll add you to our email list. Um, also, just want to encourage you, if you do have a prayer request, fill out those prayer request forms or talk to a staff member or myself and we can add that request to the prayer chain. And then, as I said earlier, uh, discipleship is an all-encompassing, whole-life kind of a journey of following Jesus, but it also can involve some sharply focused, intentional discipleship training times. Discipleship can be described as just training to follow Jesus, training in the way of following Jesus. Um, this month, our, our ministry team leaders are going to be reviewing a couple of discipleship programs, if you want to call those that. Um, and in, come the fall, if there's enough interest and we feel like there's something that's worthy of us using it, we're going to investigate looking at a concentrated time of a discipleship emphasis, perhaps, maybe a number of weeks in some kind of a, um, well, again, I'll use the word curriculum. Don't, don't be scared. Teachers, you guys know what all I mean about that. Um, so um, if you're interested in something like that, let me know so I know, kind of, we can kind of gauge the level of interest in that. But there are some possibilities come fall for that. So thanks for your time. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. We're, uh, we're marching right through here. One of the other obvious, very important things that we do around here is worship together. Um, Jess Erfer is going to come and share on our worship. Good morning. Um, my name is Jess, Jessica, I'll answer to either, um, and I've been coming to Emmaus for a um, little over 12 years now, um, and so I, I stole this from our website about our worship, but it's good, 
It's a reminder. <laughs> um, so we, we follow, again, the liturgical calendar, um, but it's good to remember this definition. Liturgy simply means the work of the people. Therefore, liturgy is what we do together as we gather to worship God and be formed in God's likeness, drawing from ancient and modern Christian worship, worship practices. Uh, we have curated a liturgy that leads us to Christ and helps us reenact the gospel story. Um, so everything that we do from the call to worship until singing the doxology at the end of the service is kind of helping us walk through that. So as a worship team, we lead worship to praise God, of course, but also recognize that through that praise, we are being formed. We work to make sure our prayers and songs prepare our congregation for the work that God is doing in us. Um, and something that I've always appreciated, even for 12 years, I feel like this has been one of the most collaborative churches I've ever been to. Um, I remember when I first came here, I sat back in that corner because that's where it's safe. Um, you can get out real fast. Um, but I remember sitting back there and I had never heard, this is also a very unusual Sunday, like so many of us speaking, but I had never in a normal worship service heard so many people come up and like participate in the service. Like there's always been a worship band and there's always been a pastor, um, but I feel like somebody came up and read scripture, somebody came up and did the announcements, like it was a group of people. Um, and I just remember sitting back there thinking, I want to be a part of this. And I just asked God, what should I do? And I felt this call to, to come receive communion, which again was um, something that was new to me, a church that did communion every single week, um, but I did. And so even something that simple, like you are participating in worship when you come up and receive communion. Um, yeah, we practice here. I, this is something that Andy said a couple years ago, maybe last year, right before he left, uh, that church is a place where we practice being part of the kingdom so that when we go out into the world, uh, we, can, we can be part of that creation of his kingdom. So we practice here by co-creating our worship service so that we can go into the world to co-create, be co-creators of the kingdom. Um, so in the last year, we've kept true to our more uh, recent liturgy patterns. This actually has been kind of an evolution over the last five years or so um, to where we are now. I'm sure parts of it may change, but our consistent things have been um, communion. Um, I've really appreciated the addition of the prayers that we've done. Um, every week we make space for quiet moments of reflection, contemplation, confession, and comfort. And this is a small thing you may not have even noticed, but recently we've added our weekly psalm into our, our morning worship set, like the beginning music. Um, and it's been one of my favorite additions. I hope that that connection between scripture being read and the words that we have been singing has been helpful and restorative to you. Uh, we continued with our special services. We had Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. Uh, we had our Christmas Eve services, and this year we had the opportunity to have Christmas on Sunday morning, so we had Christmas morning service. Um, as far as our goals, uh, for the last couple months, I have been taking over pieces of the worship team so that Daniel could have a bit of a break as he transitioned to being lead pastor of this church. Um, as many of you know, I am in a bit of a career transition. This next week is my last week of teaching. Um, I don't know what I'm transitioning to yet but I'm hoping to stay in Northern Colorado so that I can continue this work here. Um, so if you think of it, please pray for me as I continue job searching and discerning what that next chapter looks like for me. 
another goal is going to be to schedule some of our own worship and prayer events. This week, we, uh, this week, this uh, last spring, we had Eric Marshall come from uh, Young Oceans, and he had a very meaningful service for us. Um, we definitely have the talent and the ability to host these own events um, for us. So we'd like to schedule a couple of those uh, maybe in July, October, November. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, so as far as opportunities, um, so when I first got here, sitting back in that corner, I was like, they have plenty of talented people. They sound so good. They don't need my help which was a lie. Um, <laughs> so if you are sitting there thinking, they sound so good, thank you, but also we could use your help. Um, if you think you play a weird instrument, we don't care. We will still find a way to use you. Um, if you would just like to be involved in like curating some of our songs, if you just have a great playlist, we're always looking for more songs. Um, if you're unsure of your skill or if you just want to get the feel of what it's like to play as a group, because that is a very different thing, um, we're going to try to host monthly discovery sessions just to try instruments out. Um, our first day will be sometime in late June or early July. I'm actually about to leave for like three weeks. I'll be back. Um, my sister and I are walking a pilgrimage trail in northern Spain, which is going to be awesome. Um, so when I come back, maybe Daniel will be like, all these people want to want to help out. That'd be cool. Um, along with our worship team, we also have our lovely tech team back there. Um, so if you are at all tech savvy and would like to help run our computer, we always could use that. Um, if you are interested in running sound, I there was a guy who ran sound here for years. He moved probably about five years ago, but it was his favorite thing because he just loved playing with all of the EQs, I don't understand it. But it was his favorite thing, he's an engineer. <laughs> um, and so if you're interested in that, because you're like, I'm not musically talented, but I'm that kind of talented. Um, and then for liturgy, we're always looking for additional volunteers for reading scriptures, uh, leading the responsive elements, helping with communion and prayers of the people. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, please let me or Daniel know, because again, I'll be out of the country for a little bit. I'll be back though. Thank you very much. All right, Noah, come on up. Noah's going to talk about our impact and our outreach ministries. I wasn't sure if you were going to introduce me or if yeah. I should just walk up. Or... <laughs> okay, that text is really small. We'll see how this goes. Um, hello, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Noah. And if you do know me and think, didn't I leave my kid with you? It's okay. There are two other people back there. <laughs> it's all taken care of. Um, so I'm here to talk about Impact Ministry, um, which is our, our way of outreach through the community. Um, so what is it, just to start with? Um, that's a very good question. So I looked at our website, and it says... <laughs> Develop, developing opportunities for our church to show the love of God in tangible ways and support people in their time of need. And for me, I, I just really feel like service is such an important part of what we do as a church, um, not just serving within our own walls, but serving in our community uh, just in a variety of different ways. So how do we do that? Primarily at this point, it's Family Housing Network, which probably most of you know, but it's a program in Fort Collins um, that a lot of churches are involved in where we take people who are experiencing homelessness, we take families into our church and they'll stay here for a week. 
Um, their lodging is provided, their meals are completely prepared by us, um, and it's just an opportunity for them to uh, be able to get back on their feet, and then the Family Housing Network organization does a lot to uh, get them into housing, get them into sustainable uh, jobs, sustainable incomes, um, all these great things. So uh, it's a really, really great service that we've been a part of for since a lot longer than I've been here. Do you remember how long? Seven years? Um, about seven years or so. And uh, we just really love it. We really love the organization. Um, I wanted to share a couple highlights from our last host week, which is in February. Um, in our fairly small church, we had 28 different volunteers, people from our church, put in over 200 volunteer hours in that one week, um, which I think is just really incredible at a church of this size. So. Um, that's just always really encouraging, and it's encouraging to see how many people step up um, for all the different ways that you can get involved there. Um, and I, I just think connecting with the families and the people that we meet is always a huge highlight for me. Um, you just get to meet people from all over and from all walks of life. And um, Family Housing Network, especially being overnight host or dinner host where you come and serve dinner, uh, you just get time to spend with them and talk with them. and. Um, like I've had some great breakfasts where we just sat and drank coffee for an hour and just talked about anything and everything. And you know, sometimes it's bonding over video games for me or <laughs> just little things like that. Um, and sometimes it's having really good discussions. So um, it's, it's been a great opportunity and it's definitely something that we're committed to continuing here at MAS. Um, so our goals for the next year, uh, we'd love to start something outside of FHN. Um, about the time I became the impact director was also when I became the FHN coordinator, so that has definitely <laughs> taken a lot of energy and time, and um, I want to thank Laura, too, who has been heavily involved in that, uh, Laura Dare. So uh, we'd love to start another opportunity, but we really need someone's help. We need your help. So if there's something that you're passionate about or feel like this is a really great opportunity, and I would like to maybe head that up. <laughs> uh, we're, we're totally open to talking about new possibilities. We'd love to explore some new ideas and possibilities. Um, we had a meeting last summer that I think went really well with a lot of people presenting a lot of great ideas. Um, we just need you know, more people to get involved and um, maybe to lead that charge to get something else happening. Um, our other big goal is in the seven years that we have done FFH, we have never taken the Christmas week, and that has changed this year. Um, so we have a host week in July, and then we have a host week December, uh, like Christmas to New Year's, I think it is. So that's going to be a big challenge, and uh, you know, obviously a lot of people are out of town, or um, Christmas is just a busy time, so that will definitely be a big challenge just to fill those slots. Um, but I'm excited about it. It's, it's definitely our turn <laughs> to take the Christmas week, and I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a really good week. Um, so for ways to get involved, volunteering for FFH is definitely a big one. Um, there are lots of ways to get involved in FFH. If you uh, wanna come spend a night at the church and just be the overnight host to take care of anything that may come up in the night, that's a great opportunity. If you can't do that, there are a lot of other ways to serve. You can bring a meal. Um, sometimes that just looks like pizza, you know, bringing a pizza and someone else brings a salad. Uh, if you're a great home cooker, that's great too. 
<laughs> um, and lots of ways in between uh, even doing laundry. We, we have sheets for all the families and that provides a lot of laundry. So um, if you're interested in serving, uh, especially in your local homeless community, please come talk to me. There are lots of ways to get involved. Um, we'd be happy to get you involved with that. And if you're interested in leading some kind of other opportunity or thing that you feel like Emmaus should really be involved in, uh, please come talk to me about that as well. We'd love to, love to talk about that. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for making FFH in particular such a success. Uh, it's, it's always a really encouraging week for me. It's always an exhausting week, but it's encouraging just to see how willing people are to step up. Um, <laughs> I've learned through, through kind of overseeing FFH that I'm really bad at asking people for help, which is bad because that's kind of my whole job. <laughs> um, but anytime I ask people, they're just so willing to help and it's, it's really encouraging for me. So um, yeah, I just really appreciate all you, all you guys do to make that, make FFH a continued success and uh, we're excited to continue devoting to that. So now I pass it off to Laura in hospitality, but she's not here. So I have her notes too. So for those of you that don't know me, now I'm Laura, the hospitality coordinator. <laughs> um, I had a couple bullet points for my section and this is like four pages. So uh, we're gonna see, thankfully she wrote this out for me really clearly. Um, I think even from my perspective. So <laughs> uh, we'll see how this goes. So. Hospitality, uh, most of you know Laura Dare. If you don't know her, she's usually the first one here on Sunday mornings and usually the last one out. She's always uh, preparing great food or cleaning things up. Um, so I'm gonna <laughs> try and stumble through this presentation here and do my best Laura impression that I can. Um, so some may wonder how hospitality in itself could be considered a ministry, um, but first, Laura just wants to share what some of those accomplishments and celebrations are for hospitality. And the first one is no Panera, no problem. So some of you may remember um, a few years ago before COVID, we used to get weekly uh, bread from Panera that would be brought in here and we'd serve that in the Welcome Center. Um, haven't been able to do that post COVID, but um, we've had a mixture of purchased and homemade goodies brought in. I know a lot of more people have been baking um, and that includes gluten-free options as well. Um, successful sharing of a communal space is another highlight. Um, just using that welcome center for a variety of things, not just Sunday morning, but maker's night, game night once a month, uh, all those great things. Um, so to be able to share that space well without any major hiccups is worth celebrating. Um, homemade, gluten-free, and fairly authentic communion bread. I'm not sure what that means, but it's fairly authentic. Um, <laughs> And it's, it tastes really good and it's easy to prepare. Uh, the communion bread is great. Uh, adding Jesse Metzger to the team. Um, she is amazing, folks. And that's what it says. That's not me paraphrasing. Um, I do agree. Uh, she is, yeah, she's been a lot of help um, helping Laura with hospitality in the mornings. She did hospitality this morning for us. Um, and she knows all the tricks of the coffee trade and is willing to share them. So if you need to know how to make coffee, talk to Jesse. Um, have you encountered Sunday mornings in the Welcome Center? It's the hot spot to be. It's the appetizer to our church service. Come check it out. And <laughs> I do enjoy that, uh, especially after worship when we just go commune in the Welcome Center and hang out and enjoy some time before church. It's really great. Um, so how is hospitality considered a ministry? 
Um, to do this, Laura wants to share how the overarching missions at Emmaus Road guides the intentions and goals of hospitality. So that first mission is present Christ as Savior. Um, can we all relate to the need of sugary sustenance on a rush Sunday morning and a jolt of caffeinated deliciousness to match the energy of our kids and e-kids? <laughs> okay, okay, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Or is it? Matthew 25, 35 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. The ministry of hospitality is in creating an atmosphere that invites us to encounter Christ through our time spent devouring a dash of yum and a sprinkle of enjoyable fellowship. This would sound better with Laura saying it. <laughs> um, pursue Christ as King is another one of our missions. A community. The last few years have brought about a greater awareness of our need for community and our need to pursue Christ as a collective group in an ever-changing and challenging world. Uh, bring on the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers, also known as hospitality, according to Webster Dictionary. And finally, partnering with Christ in service. Uh, the ministry of hospitality gives a practical avenue for such endeavors as referred to in Matthew 25:40, where it says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. All right, so now we need to take a moment and I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. So now I'm gonna read through these examples um, and allow yourself to reminisce about your interactions with hospitality at Emmaus. So uh, ponder this as we provide, um, ponder all that we provide throughout our FFH weeks. Think of setting up and tearing down at one of our spectacular potlucks honoring our pastors. Or think of that time that you just loved the brownies, the Rice Krispie treats, or some other goodness because of the simple and kind gesture of someone, possibly even you, making a double batch of your family's favorite recipe to share on Sunday mornings. Think of enticing the worship team with the smells of baked goodness while they partner in service through the Ministry of Music and Visual Arts. Think about serving your fellow church members by providing a, hot, uh, a cup of hot or iced cup of coffee. That's not just the average church coffee. <laughs> okay, you can open your eyes now. Does anyone feel the warm fuzzies from caring for one another? <laughs> Daniel feels it. <laughs> uh, that sensation may actually be your stomach growling. <laughs> Either way, it's a reminder of how hospitality happens in and through each of us. So, we have room for more of us to join in on this fun. How about you? Is this something you're interested in? How can you help? So there are a couple ways right now. Committing to volunteering. And you can even make it a family affair, bring your whole family, or as a couple. Um, the time commitment's about a half hour to an hour of your time on Sunday morning, usually only once a month. And examples of what this might look like might be making coffee, um, setting out the snacks, setting up communion, um, or after church, if you don't wanna get here at eight o'clock. Uh, you can help with cleanup after church by bringing the communion back, uh, wiping the trays down, running the dishwasher, helping uh, with e-kids dishes, mugs that get left around, things like that. Um, other ways that you could also help include doing the laundry. We have dirty towels and things like that that need to get cleaned up. Um, if you have a great family recipe that you want to share with us, uh, you're welcome to bring snacks. And uh, I know we've had some some people bring some of their like, family recipes that have been really good. Uh, so there are so many ways to be involved while being within the walls of Emmaus, but also beyond. Um, so thank you for 
Thank you for allowing Laura to share the excitement. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to present Laura's words. Um, I don't know if she's watching online and uh, watching me butcher this, but hopefully it's all right. Um, so she says she looks forward uh, to doing hospitality throughout the week and wants others here at Emmaus to have the experience that she comes to treasure. And she's sorry to miss this time in person, but um, she's just grateful for all of you. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we're exceedingly grateful for Laura and all that she does because she does a lot around here. So uh, she is watching online. Thank you, Laura. And then we'll go to the next person. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Laura. Hey, um, thanks for your patience as we work through this. This uh, annual meeting is uh, an important time where you can hear from our ministries. No annual meeting would be complete without a treasures report. And uh, we're so grateful for Crystal. Uh, Eric is super excited about this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, a part of our ministry and our work here is just the way we steward the money that comes into Emmaus Road. So uh, Crystal, come and share. Thank you. So we saved the best for last, right? Um, <laughs> I know everybody has different relationships with money, so I don't know if this is gonna be the boring section with the numbers or maybe a little bit of the stressful section, um, but we're gonna go work through it together. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to um, give the annual report. I'm gonna go through the year and kind of uh, how we work with the money here. So I do have a slideshow uh, for you all to see. So if you guys would put that first slide up, that'd be great. Okay, so this is the fiscal year-end treasurer's report. Our fiscal year runs from May 1st through April 30th each year, so we just finished up a fiscal year. Um, so you can, next slide, please. Um, so the total balance of all bank accounts, we started the year, uh, the 2022-2023 fiscal year with uh, $74,000. Uh, $316 um, with being $31,197 in checking and $43,118 in savings. Uh, we ended the fiscal year with $76,233 uh, with $33,093 in checking, $43,139 in savings. Next slide. So budget versus actual, um, because obviously a budget, we budget as well as we can each year as a board and finance committee, um, but we, don't, we can't really predict how the year's gonna go. Um, so the annual budgeted income um, for the 22-23 fiscal year was 192,436. Um, the annual end of year actual income was 182,980. Um, and that was 10, about 10%, 10.2% less income than we had budgeted for, for this year. Um, but then we get to compare that to expenses. Um, so we had budgeted for the same amount, uh, 192,436, because we work on a zero-based budget here. So we want to make sure every penny that we are planning to bring in, um, that's going somewhere. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be spent, but it has to be going somewhere. Um, and our annual actual expenses were 169,836, 11.7% less spent than we had budgeted to spend, which is great. Um, we had kind of a unique year, as everyone knows. Uh, it was a transition year. Um, we had interim staff and a tra transition going on, and they did a fantastic job of um, 
just keeping an eye on the finances and what they were spending. Um, all the ministry leaders that have already spoken today, they kept an eye on things uh, just so that we could make sure we weren't overspending in a very uncertain year, and it, it very much worked out. So um, we ended the fiscal year 1.6% in the positive. So that's a great, that's great news for a year that we were in. There was so much unknown, and it was such a big transition year. So next slide. Um, we have some funds. That font is really tiny up there. <laughs> um, so the funds are something that we do not budget for. These are separate. Um, so we have a building fund, um, and that's for repairs, random things. I know that's kind of hard to think what could we use building fund money on, maybe <laughs> a roof <laughs> that's leaking, um, amongst other things. So we started the fiscal year with zero. Um, our yearly expense was zero. So we ended the fiscal year um, with $70.12. So um, one fine person or a couple fine people decided to donate a little bit to that fund. Um, that is more of a fund for uh, projects. Obviously, we have ongoing maintenance and repairs, and this is for bigger, bigger projects. So when we did the carpet for the sanctuary or when we um, did a lot of work on the roof that year, those things came out of the building fund. Uh, the next fund is Emmaus Missions. Um, we started the fiscal year with 3,257, ended the year with 3,958. That is a fund that we started, I believe, back in 2018 or 19, back when we were planning on going on a mission trip. Um, and we didn't end up getting to go. Uh, we had it happen again, and then 2020 we had one planned. We were all set to go, and then we all know how that worked out. So that fund is just kind of sitting there for when we all decide to go do a mission. Faith Promise is another fund. Um, we started the fiscal year with $0. Our yearly income was 6273 and our yearly expense is 9506 um, So this is something where, um, as a church, we are giving an apportionment or a part of our income to the district um, and the global church of the Nazarene. And we have, I mean, faith promise is kind of like a promise, or our goal is to cover 7.5% uh, of that with giving outside of the budget. We could budget every year, you know, 7.5% of how much we plan on bringing in, but our goal is to have that brought in through uh, extra offerings. Every year, um, if we do not receive the amount that we need to um, donate that apportionment, we pull that out of savings. And so our goal, so if we do not raise enough, so this year's an example, we brought in 6,000 something, we needed to donate 9,000 something. Um, so we'll take that money out of savings at the end of the year and kind of to, to balance that out. Um, if we have a year where we exceed the amount that we need, we are going, the plan is to keep it in that missions fund, move it over to the missions fund so that we can prepare to go on a mission. Uh, I think next slide. So funds continued. Um, we have a care fund. We started the fiscal year with 1,468. The yearly expense was 1,216. So we ended the year with 1,662. Um, and then benevolence. Uh, we started the fiscal year with 2,264. No expense out of that fund this year. And we ended the fiscal year with 2,264. So um, the CARE Fund is a fund that was originally created um, to care for each other. And those of us in this congregation, whenever needs arise, um, 
whether that be health-wise, financial, you know, there's all sorts of things we're celebrating together when new babies are born. Um, Benevolence was created just in 2020, and I don't remember whether that came about before the pandemic or after. I don't know what, why we dreamt that up exactly, but it was kind of to add an extra fund for, for it to be something exactly like the CARE Fund, but for those in our community to help to be able to do random acts of kindness, that sort of thing, help those in need. Um, so the board this year um, has decided to combine those two into a care and benevolence fund. That way we can kind of combine that power and um, just use it as we see fit, as we actually need to use it, whether that's inside the community or out. Next slide. Figured I should touch on debt. Uh, we are debt free. So that is, um, we did have a small loan. I think we paid that off in 2021. So yeah. Advent conspiracy, next slide. Okay, you're already on it. Um, we don't budget for this. Um, this is something that we just do above and beyond the budget every year. Um, Advent conspiracy gift fair this year brought in $1,923. And between the gift fair and offerings, we gave $4,063. And this is enough money to build eight wells in Africa to com for communities that do not have access to clean water. That is very exciting. So we're gonna have eight more photos on our back wall um, this Christmas season. Next slide. Um, so 2022, 2023 projects. Um, we did not have any projects um, that we had planned for. Our project <laughs> was to find a new pastor for Emmaus Road, so we focused solely on that and then tried not to do any above and beyond projects on the building just because we didn't know, you know who our new pastor would be and what their vision would be and where we'd be moving from there. Um, spoiler, we did find a new pastor, so <laughs> that's something to celebrate. Uh, next slide. So the 2023-2024 projection, wow, these don't look that small when I'm on my computer, but... Um, so budgeted uh, general income slash expenses, since we're on a zero-based budget, um, the plan is $187,628. Um, we can compare that to what we budgeted for this fiscal year, the one, well, the one we just finished, 22-23. Uh, that was $192,436. Um, there were a couple of increases um, on the budget, so those lines, there were a couple um, that kind of stood out, and those were, so we did a cost of living raise for Grace as we try to keep up with cost of living raises for our staff. Um, utilities continue to go up, up, up. Um, last year uh, was quite a startling year for the gas bill. Um, I don't think anyone here even wants to see or hear that number. It was quite painful. Um, and so that's something that we had to budget for for this upcoming year. Um, gas, water, trash, all of it. I mean, I know you all are probably feeling that and experiencing it at home as well. Um, and we've got a big space to heat and uh, land to water, grass to water and stuff. So uh, we had to plan for that. And then also building maintenance, um, that went up a bit. As the building ages, we have more and more expense. Um, we need to look to preventative maintenance. So there are some things I don't know that we're ready to call them projects um, for this year, but they are things that need attention on the building. Um, kind of convenient, we had a nice little show and tell set up for you all as you came in this morning, <laughs> front and center. Um, the roof is doing a little bit of leaking as it likes to do. 
Um, and there's a number of other things that we need to work on on the church. So, um, unfortunately, I mean, this is kind of like the sad news, and sometimes it feels weird for some reason. I don't know why it feels weird to talk about money in church, even sometimes as the treasurer. Um, but budgeting this year was kind of difficult, and the board had a challenging time. They had quite the job in front of them. Um, the board approves the final budget. Also, they work kind of with the finance committee who kind of advises them on what, what their advice would be on how to move forward. And so there were things that, obviously, in a perfect world, we, we want to be able to increase ministry. Um, budgeted spending. We want to be able to spend more. We want to be able to give more. We want to be more and more involved in the community. But unfortunately, with utilities the way they were, um, we spent more than double on what we budgeted just on gas this year. And it's things that, you know, we can't, we can't control when we're trying to comb through the budget and make things work, make this zero-based um, budget work. You can't just say, oh, well, we'll we'll cut the gas bill next year, you know, or we'll cut the trash, you know, we can't, and we have to expect that possibly some of these things will go up. So unfortunately, some of our ministries did have to take a hit and they had to go down because we were at, left at a point, the board was left at a point where there was nothing left to do. We've got to make it match. We can't just, um, so, and the way that they come up with the um, budgeted general income slash expenses but what they're doing for the income is looking at the past year, and then we have to kind of go off of that. And obviously we can do a projection based on what we expect to come in or you know, different transitions in the life of the church. Um, so we can kind of plan for that, but knowing what we know, we have to just go off those numbers. So unfortunately for this year, it was a little tight. <laughs> um, and that's not what we want to do. We want to be able to just do more ministry and. Um, let's see, and then building maintenance, that's something obviously that, I mean, technically we could ignore it. That wouldn't be a very smart move. We need to stay ahead of it and um, maintain the property before anything catastrophic happens. And sometimes we can make our little jokes about the building and little things like <laughs> the roof leaking and maybe not little things, that's kind of a big thing. but. I think, I mean, I love this building. I think we all love this building. It's quirky, it's fun, it's got a cool design. Um, it's a part of our community and it's paid off. So, you know, it's, it's ours to take care of and that does just take a little extra money. Um, so our projection and the budget does not include the funds, like I mentioned earlier. So those, that would be the faith, faith promise, which we're hoping to raise above and beyond um, a general tithe. So that would be an, an extra offering throughout the year. Um, the building fund, care fund, well, it'll be the benevolence and care fund. Um, and then Emmaus missions and Advent conspiracy. So those are extra things that we spend money on throughout the year um, that we, didn't, we don't plan for in the budget. So our final, kind of our goal for the year, um, a big one is to cover our apportionment with the faith promise giving so that we do not need to take from savings each year. Because every year at the end of the year, I am just taking a little bit out um, to balance that out. But the goal for 23-24 is going to be to raise that amount fully uh, just with extra offerings. So, yeah, if you guys ever have any questions, I know that was a lot of numbers. Um, <laughs> if you guys ever have any questions, we're, we try to be in an open book here about the finances. So you can always come to me, talk to Daniel, um, talk to the finance committee. Uh, yeah, and if you ever have any ideas, along with all the other ministries, we're open to hearing it. So, 
that's all from me. Thanks, Crystal. Hey, um, thanks for your patience. This is a unique Sunday. Hopefully this has been eye-opening for you and um, helpful for you to kind of just see a little bit behind the scenes of what happens. Obviously, this is not a typical Sunday morning, um, but hopefully this was still meaningful for you. You know, as we endeavor to do our best to be faithful stewards of what God has called us to do here, not only with our money, but with our time and the way we interact with one another, the way we develop uh, our faith in one another, faith in our children, the way we interact with our community. Hopefully you've seen a picture of the amazing things that God is doing through this church body. It really is unique. It really is special. And I know you feel that. As we continue um, in the year ahead, we want, to, we want to be faithful. We want to dive in and continue to support these ministries in, in, in any way we can. I, I will just kind of give a preview. Next week, you're going to get the summer calendar, and we've got a lot of exciting things planned for the summer. So we're looking forward to a, a summer of ministry and life together. Well, as we continue uh, and as we kind of come to the table and as we wrap up our service, we want to still give time and attention to the moments that we share together, one by coming to the Lord's table and second by praying together as the Lord forms us and shapes us. You know, as we just heard from Crystal, we normally, you know, pray a prayer of generosity a little bit later in our service, but I thought it was appropriate maybe to include this prayer here in this spot. Let me pray this for us. And this is just a reminder of how we attempt to be good stewards, not only of our finances here as a body, but in our personal lives. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We bring nothing into this world and we take nothing out of it. We who call Jesus Lord devote ourselves to resisting greed, which plunges the human heart into ruin and pierces it with many griefs. We're determined to practice generosity with free hearts, fixing our hope on God and not the uncertainty of wealth. We desire to be rich in good deeds, willing to share all that we have, and laying up for ourselves treasure that will not decay, but will shine in the age to come.